Hi, and welcome back to I Hadn't Considered That. I am your host, Vanessa Tori, and I know that at the beginning of just about every single episode, I say that I'm really excited for the episode and to have my guest on the podcast with me, and I don't know that it could ever be more true than today. This is episode 16, and honestly, I have absolutely no idea how we made it this far without this guest being on the podcast. Today, I have my good friend John Gorman on the podcast. If you have read anything on Medium, you have probably read something by John Gorman. John has over 45,000 followers on Medium, has some of the most well-written and well-read pieces on the platform. He is a tremendous writer out of Austin, Texas, and he has this way of writing that speaks right into your being. I mean, your whole being down into parts of your being that you don't want anybody to talk to. You're just like, no, thank you. I'd rather not have this conversation right now. And John Gorman's like, no, we're talking about this. And I have had many actual real life conversations with John. We have known each other for many years and have gotten to have those conversations that have been incredible and at the same time just kind of make you squirm because John has this way of dropping this truth bomb right into your lap and he does it in this way where he just drops it there and then just stands back and lets you just sit with it for a second and let me tell you folks it's uncomfortable but it is beautiful and this conversation has many of them and I loved it incredibly. I have some fun things that I want you to know about this episode. First of all, this is hands down the shortest conversation I have ever had with John. And it is a solid conversation. Usually John and I can have a conversation for several hours because we are both talkers and we are both people who do not like surface conversations. We want to get down into the meat of human existence. And it's fantastic. It is also, I think, one of the only conversations that we have ever had because generally we would have a conversation later in the evening where I have not fallen asleep. It is not a sign that John is boring whatsoever. He's fascinating, but he's got this soothing, amazing voice that just engages you. But at the same time, man, you want to hang in there as long as you can. And I have fought like, I'm not going to go to sleep. I'm not going to go to sleep. I'm here in this conversation. And then there's probably the sound of snoring on my end of the phone. So that is fun for me. But because we have a tendency to have a gift of the gab and have a couple non sequiturs, there's a couple bonus parts of the podcast that are available through the Patreon because they're just way too much fun. So I'm going to tell you about one of them which is at some point in the conversation, John makes a reference to an article that would be written about red flags in relationships. We immediately stop what we're doing. We ignore the fact that we are even remotely recording a podcast and we start Googling such articles. And there is a wonderful bonus section of the podcast in the Patreon Go to the show notes. You can go ahead and find it there where it is John and Vanessa read an InStyle magazine article on red flags and we comment. And it was 
pure joy. And then we just stop that and we go back to the podcast. So that is something that is available f- through the Patreon. If you're not familiar with what the Patreon is, is it's an incredible way to support the podcast. This podcast is completely and totally listener funded. There are no ads. Would love to work on getting some sponsorships in place. But right now, you guys are the ones that are helping me to be able to bring this to you every week. And I thank you greatly. If you want to support the podcast, please go over to the Patreon. That's where you're going to find all of these other little nuggets. We also do at the end of the podcast, five questions, which are my rapid fire questions. Every single week, you will get those in the Patreon. We also have the Wine Wednesday. Until then, I hope that you enjoy today's episode. I will put links to all of John's work where you can find it on social media and on Medium. And I hope that you check it out because his words are life and you will hear that today. My friends, I give you John Gorman. like to welcome my friend John to the I Hadn't Considered That podcast. Um, there's a couple of things that are fun about this right now. John and I have been friends for years, but we have only ever talked to each other via text and on the phone. This is the first time that I've ever seen John like live and in person. So this is super exciting for me. I love it. But John is here today because we're going to be talking about emotional unavailability and emotional availability, both sides of the same coin. So this is pre-pandemic. So this is going back like at least three years ago or so. And I've been divorced for five years and waded into the dating pool after about like six months of just what the hell am I doing with my life? Which first of all, when you're with somebody for nine years and then you get divorced and you're knee deep into your forties, like you know shit about shit. I had no idea what I was going into, into the dating pool. And man, it's a whole other world. The world has changed. I'm equipped for it. I'm an old soul. Like this does not compute on any level. And I just thought that there were like nice, handsome people out there that wanted to meet me and it would be great. And we'd have cocktails. That is not what happened in my life. You're laughing at me already. I love it. So I struggled with trying to meet people and I found myself in a pattern of meeting men who did not live in the town that I live in. And John, at that point, you had also been meeting women that did not live where you live. John lives in Austin, Texas. And I struggled because these guys were like not emotionally available at all. Like I was struggling because they these relationships were a disaster and these men were like painful. And I, rem- I remember on one of our marathon phone conversations, I asked you, I'm like, why can I not find a man that is emotionally available? Why are they all emotionally unavailable? And there was like dead silence. And you just said to me, Vanessa, that's because you are emotionally unavailable. And I was like, whoa. And I hated you for like, I don't know, like eight and a half seconds. I totally hated you because you were right. You were totally right. And then once you like realized that I knew you were right, that's when I got the sinister giggle. That is so fantastic because you know you were right too. And you were the first person that ever called me out on it because I never thought that that was something that I exhibited. I always thought that emotional unavailability happened to me, right? And so I don't know what in that moment you said to you as far as like, I've struggled with what does emotional unavailability mean to me? Because if this is something that I do, like 
why do I do it and what do I do it and how does it show up in my life? Because I don't want to be emotionally unavailable. Actually, I'm sure at the time I really, really wanted to be emotionally unavailable. Yeah. Well, emotional unavailable, right? It just means you're trying to protect ourselves from getting hurt. That's all it is. It's um, it's risk mitigation. Mm -hmm. And you've been hurt. Not to like, I hope I'm not like breaking any news or no, oh no! Using I mean, any you, spoilers you, or anything? Have you read my medium writing? Yeah, I mean, I yeah, mean come on. I, yeah, I have. Um, but when you've been hurt, and if whether it's often enough or hard enough or recently enough, it becomes difficult to open yourself up to that kind of hurt again. Whether or not you think it, whether or not it's going to happen or not, um, we all try to protect ourselves from getting hurt. And I have found that the uh, most emotionally unavailable people, whether or not it's going to happen, we think it's going to. And so when we think it's going to happen, we end up like being unwitting accomplices in our own sadness because it's really tough to like become intimate with someone when you think they're going to leave or when you think it's going to hurt if you do, you know? And so... Emotional unavailability is it's often seen as like a like a selfish trait or a narcissistic one. And I don't think Do that's you think it is white. No, I don't think that's quite right. I think it's I think it's just a protective measure, you know. When when we when we're hurt in our lives, you know, whether it's by our parents or by lovers or friends or you know, however you come to feel as though, oh God, I'm scared of being hurt again we tend to overcorrect and we can overcorrect in a couple of different ways right i mean you've heard of flight or fight fawn freeze you know that kind of stuff sometimes we over index either on trying to give more mm-hmm. which people would recognize that as an anxious attachment or being quote-unquote clingy but sometimes we go the other way it's either oh i i want to really make sure this person loves me and never leaves right or it's well i've got to put my guard up and it's tough to dial those back but eventually we do if we feel safe and feeling safe is the toughest thing after we've been hurt well i think that what you said about the Fear of the pain. And Uh I think what I always saw was that I did fear the pain. I I still have some fears of abandonment and rejection, which interestingly, and a lot of that I've been working, I'm back in therapy and I am knee deep in it. And I think that that's a therapy is a good place for me to be. We're pro therapy in this house too. Oh my gosh, man. What I'm coming to realize is that it's not that I have a fear of the abandonment and rejection. I mean, that that is the feeling that comes in through the back door with a sense of worthlessness, right? So all of those things are, those are horrible feelings for anybody to feel that those aren't just born in us, right? Something happens to us that makes us feel that way. Like we don't become love anxious or love avoidant if something doesn't just happen to us, like something moves us out of that secured space. Mm-hmm. But the idea of the impending doom and what you're saying is you're talking about a self-fulfilling prophecy. Mm-hmm. I have been trying to figure out what is the connection between our level of unavailability emotionally and how likely that is to result in exactly what we don't want. Like nobody wants mm-hmm. to be rejected and abandoned. Mm-hmm. Right. But if we're not emotionally available, isn't it almost like it's for sure going to happen at that point? Yeah. <laughs> yes. 
there's no way to guard against rejection. Like the harder you work to try and either protect yourself from being hurt or prevent someone from leaving, the more likely those things are to happen. Just speaking from experience, anytime that I've been shown the door, which not often, um, but anytime that I have, uh, it's it's been because I either wanted it too much or I was scared of wanting it too much. And, you know, I think the thing that that makes a relationship work is just existing. One of the thinkers in, in uh, 21st century America, who, who I respect a lot, Scott Galloway, you know, he said something like, the best thing you can do with people you love is just love them. Mm. And that's it. Like, there's nothing else to do. Right. Um, that's awesome. Often said that, like, you know, the ideal partner is someone that first and foremost, you just enjoy hanging out with and you can, mm -hmm. you know, just hang out with them. And like, if you can just exist with someone on a level of they're here, I'm happy they're here. I don't need them to be here, but I don't want them to leave. If you can just exist in a realm of like, we're just together, that's probably the easiest way to keep things going. I wish it was more complicated than that. I wish there was something more like tangible or there was like some seven step listicle or whatever. But it's like, if you enjoy someone's company, just enjoy their company. They'll enjoy yours. Like I wish it was that easy. No, so but it is. You wish it was more complicated. I wish it was that easy. And I have never. It is that easy. that easy. It's that easy because we, as long as we don't alter our behavior, trying to hold on to something or trying to prevent the pain that comes from something leaving, it's going to go for as long as it's going to go. Yeah. And, you know, whether that's, look, not all relationships that end are bad right? You were in a marriage for you know, nine years, or you were at least like with was, someone was, for nine yeah. years, yeah. Mm -hmm. who you eventually married, right? Yeah. Like not all relationships that go that long and end are failures. You only fail once. That's at the end. Right. You can succeed all the way through. I don't think that it's a failure. I don't think that just because a relationship comes to an end or a marriage comes to an end, it doesn't mean that you failed. I mean, there are things that you can do that you work your ass off mm. on. I mean, I worked hard on my marriage and it mm. wasn't that it failed. It died. It right. Died, like yeah. it, it's sure. exactly like it is. It doesn't necessarily mean that I'm bad at relationships. I'm bad at being married. It doesn't mean I was a bad wife, but it was. I forgot who said it that you know no happy marriage ever ended in divorce. Well, and that's huh. <laughs> right. Huh. No well, happy marriage ever ended in divorce, right? right? So good relationships don't just end for shits and giggles. Like something something happens and there's an event and it could be an internal event and one person or even both people will say, "Hey, this is, you know, a, the beautiful mm -hmm. thing is for a relationship to be able to run its course and for two people to wholeheartedly recognize mm -hmm. in the kindest and most compassionate way, this isn't going how we thought it would go. And for the mm -hmm. love of God, let's just be decent people. But that I think is rare. When we try to actively either hold on or push away, then yeah. that's where everything gets messy because mm -hmm. you're no longer dealing with your partner as they are. There have been times in my life that I have been very, very love anxious. And I have been the one that has been fighting and wanting to hold on where I have bent myself into a pretzel trying to figure out how 
can I be the person that this person wants me to be so that mm. this person doesn't leave me? And then that person's not dating or married to me anymore. Uh, They're married to a whole other me. I don't even want to be. So you said earlier, you're not dealing with your partner as they are. But I think more to the point, you're not dealing with you as you are. When you become someone who's protectionist or preventative or anxious and avoidant, however you want to phrase that, you become someone who's not you. Mm -hmm. Even if the person who's not you is good. Like, let's just pretend, right? That like the person you are when you're preventing someone from leaving or, um, you know, protecting yourself from hurt. Let's, let's pretend they're, they're awesome. It's exhausting to keep that up because it's not native to your default state, you know, and you're not really growing. You're just altering, which is different. Growth is something that happens when you're just like, oh, mm, I met someone and they're helping me become a better person versus, oh, I met someone and I need to become a better person. You see the difference? Absolutely. And that's where it becomes the changing, wanting to change somebody as well. Mm-hmm. right into something that that we may want them to be so there's a, there's a i think there's always a manipulation aspect to that um, there can be yeah i have a rule where i don't like no matter who my partner is um i don't try and change them. i just don't i don't think it's within my rights to be like hey i know you're wired this way try being wired a different way it's not it never ends well and i don't mm-hmm. i don't say that from experience even because i just uh, you know, I say it from coming from a space where uh, my my parents were in a marriage for 17 years, maybe 18. My mom tried to change my dad like every day. And the longer they were together, the more she got upset with him for not being different than what he was. And he never changed. And good on him for not, because there's not much wrong with my dad, candidly. But I saw that dynamic play out. I saw the way that someone who had a specific idea of what a husband should be tried to make that man their husband. And this is, I don't know how true, I don't know if this translates to, you know, same sex or, you know, non-binary relationships, but I'm just going with what I know. The longer you're with someone and they don't mold to what you want, the more resentful you become of them. And so you can either A, leave, which is, generally what I would recommend. Um, Or you can learn to accept them if what they offer besides what you're upset about is worthwhile. And I think for the most part, people people who you are in love with and you're with them for a while, if you found something lovely about them, for the most part, unless it's something that detracts from like their health or your health or it's something, you know, deal breaking, like financial mistrust or whatever the case may be. If it's something that's just passable, just let it, let it wash over you. No two people are the same. No two people value the same things. And as long as you enjoy them and they enjoy you and you have a productive, healthy life together, let it go. Just, just be. Being is the best. Oh, I agree with you. I have gotten to the point where I'm just, I'm too old to not just be. There are parts of me that I, I enjoy. Now, I mean, we all know I am quirky AF, right? I mean, it is, there's. Are you sure? 
there's a lot happening right now. Right? This, this, uh-huh. this is a lot. Mm-hmm. And but there are things that I do that I I enjoy about myself. I was just telling a friend today. Every day I wake up with a song in my head. Mm-hmm. Right. Every day. And and it's God, man, I don't know what the jukebox is going to spin on any given mm-hmm. morning. Like it could be it could be Lauren Hill. It could be Ke- Kenny Loggins. I don't even know. I have no clue. But the first thing wow. I do when I get up in the morning, I know, I know it's a weird mm-hmm. place in here. I get up every morning and I go to make my coffee and I put water in the tea kettle for the for the French press. And I have to tell the Amazon Echo to play my morning song. And I start every day because if I don't play the song, it will stay mm-hmm. in my head all day long if I get it up. But this is this is one of those like quirk. At, this is anybody that was is going to have to be with me or is that is going to be with me is going to have to understand that this is what happens every single morning and it could turn into a dance party in like 39 seconds like you don't know you don't know who's complaining right i think it's a fantastic quirk i think one of the things that we do that to make ourselves emotionally unavailable is we get this checklist in our head of everything that our partner is supposed to be. So you talked about your mom had this idea of what her ha- husband was supposed to be like, and it's, uh-huh. and I've heard that as dating advice and it's such friggin' bullshit. Create the list <laughs> of everything you want in a partner and then you'll no. be manifesting it. Uh, it's bullshit. No, I've never, I've never had checklist never because checklists become oh about pyramid i want to hear about this oh yeah okay checklists become exclusionary but i want tell me about this pyramid all right so i i think of love like flavors so like the bottom is like the savory so it's just you know do you enjoy hanging out with them and do they enjoy hanging out with you and then there's like well all right do you like each other the same amount that's like the above that in the pyramid you know do you like them? Do they like you? Do you like each other about the same amount? Because if it's imbalanced, it's, you know, not going to work. And then uh, do you express your love? So this is above that. Like, do you express your love for the other person in the way that they prefer to receive it and vice versa? And then uh, at the very top, it's like, well, are you attracted to them? That's Mm. it. That's the whole, like, I wish it was more complicated. It just isn't. And that's, I I know that sounds like, oh, well, what about, and what about, and what about, but it's not hard to get those things so long as you know precisely how to get those things. So does your pyramid, is it just layers or do you, do you, is this like, you know, Mario brothers? Do we have to like move through the pyramid? Is it, is there like, no, no, it's like a food pyramid. It's like a, it's okay. So it's, so no. you're having so you're having your your grains and your vegetables and everything yeah. at the same time. It's not like yeah. you have to finish your vegetables before you can get to your. You no, know, your look at it this okay. way, okay. right? Like, so the bottom is the savory, mm-hmm. right? And the 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 one where it's like, do you like each other the same amount? That's like salt, right? It's like, do you oversalt or undersalt the dish? Because if you like someone, right, and they don't like you a lot, that's a bit like that's oversalted. But if you don't really if they don't move the needle for you, but they like you a lot. Like that's, that's bland, right? You're just like, okay, well, and then above that, right. It's like the sweet and sour. Those are other flavors. Sour being bright, like sour has bad connotations. I'm talking like citrus, Mm -hmm. like above that, you did this for them. Well, that's mighty sweet of you. Oh, they did that for you. Well, that'll brighten your day. Right. And then the top, the attractiveness, that's the spice, right? Those are all your flavor profiles. Right. 
and they're in like the general um, order in which they need to be in order to have a balanced diet. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, as long as you, as long as you get the flavors right, and as long as you get, as long as you get that, those big things checked off, relationships will work as long as you want them to. And by that, I mean like, there it is. As long as you let them, <laughs> like, yes, they will. Yeah, that's like, no, that's you're dead on. You're yeah, dead on. Yeah, because as long as you we, get it all. Relationships end because somebody shuts down. Yes. Jump, mm-hmm. Right. The more emotionally unavailable. I have been, or somebody Mm -hmm. that I have been with has been, Mm -hmm. there is not just the higher likelihood that there's going to be the shutdown, but that the shutdown is not based in reality. Mm -hmm. There is something that is is happening. Yeah, there's, I mean, there are events, right? That is, that that cause shutdowns. People can do some pretty shitty things, but Mm -hmm. despite having, you know, a, a partner, if you don't have a partner that has some shitty things, our brains are very tough places for I think love to live in, in many cases. Yeah. Because I, I wouldn't even say love. I would say other people. Affection. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Love can live in your brain and it always does. And to a degree. But other people, like they'll exist there as long as you want them to. And oftentimes we either shut it down early or we we ratchet it up too much where other people are like, oh, that's enough of that. It's the overwhelming, but again, it's it's the the, the two sides of the the attachment styles. Yeah. Are we running mm-hmm. toward or are we running away from people? And I think sometimes we run toward people because we're running away from hurt. Hello, that was me. Yeah, yeah. When mm-hmm. you when we first had that conversation, and you pointed out that I had some emotional unavailability after you and I had had some deep conversations about, you know, my frustrations and what I was going through in dating is that I realized that I had a pattern where Mm. I was setting every single relationship up up for failure. And what I was doing is I was seeking out people Mm. that were emotionally unavailable Mm. because when I was emotionally unavailable, what I could do is I could find this person. I knew that they were never going to give to me what I needed or be Mm -hmm what I wanted them to be. I knew that I was fully yeah. aware of that because they, they either they showed me or they told me. And a lot of times they mm-hmm. just flat out told me, mm-hmm. but if I kept going forward and the whole mm-hmm. thing went crashing down, I could say it was their fault. Right. Or, or you could say, I didn't want that anyway. Well, I would tell people like, this is what I want knowing full well, they are never going to be able right. to meet my needs ever. Yeah. And so, but I don't want them to. Because mm-hmm. I'm too afraid of them meeting my needs. So I'm giving them like this roadmap to nowhere. Mm-hmm. And then they end up calling it off and I'm pissed off. And I did that for a few years. That's okay to do. Right. Well, it, sometimes it, it's, it's what you want. Sometimes it's what you need. I you know? was not, I was not in a position to uh-huh. be in a relationship. And so, and I think on some level I knew that. Yeah. You probably did. Yeah. Man, about. Almost two years ago, right around the time that we first went into lockdown and the pandemic, that I realized that I had something had to change because I was tired of running away from people and I was tired of running toward people. I was tired of not being myself and I was tired of going through this checklist where there were a lot of times that that checklist, I would dismiss people for the stupidest reasons because yeah. there was some mental checklist in my head. I was like, I was seeking the perfection. Can't do right? that. No. And, I, and I'm not even advocating for settling. That's not what I mean. 
No, there's but a big like, difference between settling and, and asking for perfection. No one's perfect, right? And so if you keep a mental list of like deal breakers from past relationships and you're our age, everything's a deal breaker, right? And oh, it's sure. like, well, at that point, you're just like, well, why even bother with anyone? Well, love by its very nature is irrational, mm -hmm. right? It's like to give yourself to someone else is frankly kind of nuts, right? <laughs> and every relationship ends in a breakup or death. So it's like, well, why even bother? Well, you bother because it, it, it's worthwhile. And so if you can put up with the few things that don't jive with you, and, and you know, if you played your cards right and you know what you want and you are a decent enough person like you're going to get someone who's going to meet most of what you want that's enough that is more than enough <sighs> checklists for me it, I, I always hate those things that are like these 14 red flags oh god i'm like i'm like listen everything's a red flag but you know what people ignore them when they find someone that they like and or they pay too much attention to them if yeah, scared. right. Exactly. Some red flags are deal breakers. Not all of them. Most of them aren't. And if you can just chill, if you can just be, if you just, I don't know, try just enjoying yourself and hoping the other and hope the other person enjoys you. That's it. Mm -hmm. Again, I wish this was more complicated advice. I wish no, this was it, more concrete. It, it's dead on though. And I think that there's so much that we're sold to overcomplicate this and to, to make us overthink this. And, and part of it, I think, is very media based. Right. And it is very it's, it's everything that we read that is designed to make us feel insecure. Like, listen, look, I could go to Google right now and I could type in what are the top 10 red flags in relationships and find 10 different articles. You're going to have 10 articles with 10 tips or 10 red flags, and there's going to be 82 different things. I think emotional availability comes out of, I, I don't think it's just the vying for someone's affection. Right. Is, what is this person going to think and how am I going to be perceived? And once we start introducing all of these different factions in there, like one of the things that I, I hate is people either avoiding defining a relationship or they are always trying to define the relationship because yeah no matter who you talk to the dtr yep. is either really good or really bad and i know yeah. in my case i have avoided the dtr because like oh where's the handbook where's where's the handbook that was supposed to come with my divorce papers that told me huh. at what point i was supposed to dtr over here because i don't freaking know I don't know. I just, and I like, my big thing is like, I, I don't, I don't necessarily need labels. I need certainty. Yep. I have a, so I have a hard and fast rule and it's consistent across my lifetime. I don't know where I came up with it, but I, it's definitely not something I read anywhere. And it's definitely not something that like I picked up from somebody else. All right. I took you on a date. Let's say we continue to date 90 days thereafter within three months. I called that the, uh, the uh, free trial period. Oh, 100%. It's, it's like, it, it, it's like, all right, if we date consistently for three months, at the end of that period of time, you are now officially like my one and only. Before that, anything goes, right? And I expect you to, and I say this, I'm like, look, you can do whatever you want to do, you know, in, in the three months. I need, like, that's how long it takes. And after that, boom, it's over. Like, we are locked in. We're good. We're good to go. 
no conversations necessary. It's all given right up front, right? But I know that. Right. And they know You're that. You're laying that key, out initially. Yeah. And the key is like to have that in your head, to always have a benchmark where you're like, okay, this is how I want to progress through a relationship. All right. There's X and Y and Z. And then after this point, it's, it's exclusive. And then after this point, it's like, well, I got to think about, you know, doing certain things, but like, you have to have all those conversations up front, you know, even if you don't necessarily have the conversations, like, as I've, you know, expressly laid them out, like, at least like, give a heads up. I think it's just healthy to have like, a way to know for yourself, even if the other person doesn't agree with it or know it. Like, I think it's just healthy to have a way for yourself to understand like, okay, this is the phase I'm in. This is how I want to approach it. And then after this, like, I'm going to approach it this way and and so on and so forth. I just think it's very important to be certain, as you said. So mm-hmm. with the time frame, I think, I think the 90 day time frame is, is pretty valid. And I think that what yeah. I have seen, what I have run into and what I know other people have run into is that People who are emotionally unavailable are going to feel confined and restricted by that boundary. Because here's the big thing. If Mm. if you know you've got to get your shit together within 90 days or else this is not happening, Mm. I think that some emotionally unavailable people will just shut down from the get-go. And maybe that's best. Maybe that's best. I, I don't know. It comes down to so much of emotional availability is lack of trust. Yes. And so you've got to grow in being able to trust someone. And I know that I have trust issues big Uh, time because I have been hurt. I mean, if I could kind of sum up where I've gotten to regarding emotional unavailability and and Mm -hmm. which, whether I choose to be emotionally available or not, listen, when I was emotionally unavailable, I got hurt. Mm-hmm. When I was emotionally available, I got, got hurt. hurt. Yeah. Clear, clearly, there is no common denominator. Whether no. or not I'm going to get hurt has absolutely nothing to do with how much I show up in a relationship. So Bingo. what I realized makes me really goddamn happy, showing mm-hmm. up in a relationship. Mm-hmm. I like to show up for people because the way that, I feel about it. And and I don't know if it's sanctimonious. I don't know whether it's holier than now, but I Mm. like knowing that if I showed up for someone and it doesn't work out, God damn it. At least I tried. Mm. I did what I wanted to do. I I was there for that person. I went in wholeheartedly. And if I get my ass kicked, at least I came to the damn party. Right. And Mm. that's kind of how I'm getting to feel at this point is I want to hang out with people that want to be at the party. Right. Because mm. the party, when you think about it, it's pretty freaking awesome. And it depends what party. Oh, well, when you get a party where you have companionship, mm. you have appreciation, you have understanding, you have belonging. Uh, that's mm. a damn good party, man. That's that's where the good stuff is. But you can't the rare party. Well, you can't get to the understanding and the companionship and the belonging if you don't show up like that will Big never facts. happen. Yep. That will never happen. The, all of those feelings do not come to emotionally available people because the wall is is there. I used to have walls that were immense and like where were they? Huge. 
I built them, I built them all, all around me, like all sides. It wasn't just, there was a wall in front of me. Like it totally encircled me. Nobody wants to go climbing walls. No one wants to do that. Like inherently that is self-defeating behavior. But at this point right now, here's the thing, right? Like my, my, (sighs) my fortress, I still have a fortress, but it's pretty freaking easy to get in if I want you to get in. Like just go up to the freaking drawbridge and hit the ring doorbell. I'm going to see you. I'll be like, Ring doorbell, let this person I love in. that you have I'm a just... drawbridge and a ring doorbell. <laughs> ring doorbell. Like, what hey, century hey, are we in? This is this is my fortress. My fortress has to be my whatever my fortress is. Oh, fuck. I will lower the drawbridge. <laughs> like, whatever it is, I'm just, I'm not going to make someone climb over all of these walls, scale all of these walls, and then come play hide and seek to find me in this fortress. I just, I'm sitting on the couch. I'm having a glass of wine. Mm. Come sit next to me and join me or or don't. Right, but I'm here to make someone. (laughs) I mean, of course, I've got the wine, right? Yeah, it's safety for one person, it's manipulation for another. Mm. And I don't like that. I've often said, You want to be a cup and not a plate or a box. And here's what I mean by that if you're a cup, whatever gets poured into you stays into you, right? You can hold it. Mm -hmm. If you're a plate and someone pours into you, just splashes all over everything, spills over, blah, 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 right? If you're a box, ain't nothing getting in. So it's like, be a cup. Just have your walls, have your, you know, lines of demarcation, right? Boundaries. 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 Those are, the, I didn't want to say that exact word, but yeah, yeah, it's boundaries. Have your boundaries. Let someone fill you. Not a euphemism. Or it is. <laughs> uh, and... um my inner 12 year old is just i mean just all over her, just let it wash over you it's fine um let people do what they need to do with you and um but also be strong enough to or well defined enough to allow what's not meant for you not to hit you these are not complex things and i think we overcomplicate right. them because we need yeah. to sell magazines because we need to you know get instagram followers we need to do all this nonsense right like but the the fact of the matter is is that as long as you're yourself and you hang out with people who want to hang out with you and you agree on the big shit and you find the other person attractive and they find you attractive that's it there's like there's not a lot else to it there's just I, Looking at it from a standpoint of trying to figure out which side of the coin you fall onto, the either unavailable or available, avoidant, uh-huh. uh, attached, or anxious. That seems, I think that you and I are both in agreement that sometimes that wreaks more havoc than it does good. Yeah. Because we have, no, we have it, blame, right? We have something to blame. Yeah. We can say... Oh, well, my last relationship failed because the person that I was dating was unemo- was emotionally unavailable. Well, no. I, I, Maybe it's it not- just didn't work. Well, not only that, but it is a matter of there's an escape hatch, right? Mm-hmm. I feel mm-hmm. like too many times people mm-hmm. get into relationships mm-hmm. and as long as there is an escape plan, it's fine, right? But as soon as there's no escape hatch like oh shit now mm. i actually have to do the thing i have to i have to do the communicating i have to do the being present 
I have to understand someone's love language, all of that stuff. Like when you have to do it, that's when I think people freak out, right? Yeah, but here's the thing. Like, I don't think it's that, I don't think it's that difficult. When it comes to like, oh, I need to understand X, Y, and Z. Like, I don't think it even has to go that hard. If you talk to people who've been in loving relationships for a long time, even people whose relationships had ended, but they were in a loving relationship for a long time, the thing you get from them is just like, I don't know, I just did it. You know, it's just like, it felt right. And I think we're operating on vibes in a relationship is fine. I think it's probably better. Mm-hmm. Sure. Because you're not going to feel loved if you're trying to calculate it. Because love is inherently irrational. If it was rational, then yeah, you could sit there and parse numbers all you want and like, you know, tally it all up. But like, if you do that, you're going to have a joyless love, which sounds ridiculous when you put it in that. But there are people who do. There are people who have love that is joyless. I've seen it. Well, I think it's very easy for people to suck the joy out of love. And I think that the number one thing that people do to suck the joy out of love goes back to exactly what you just said, which is when we don't allow ourselves to feel joy because we are too afraid of the joy leaving us. So we can't feel it because if we feel good and then it's gone, we feel bad. So in order to hold ourselves off from feeling bad, we refuse to feel the joy And that brings us full circle of that's not being emotionally available because you are expressly saying, here is this one feeling I don't want to feel, which is hurt. And when you say, I don't want to feel hurt, all of the other things, like you don't get the joy, right? No. That's like the thing. That's like saying, I want to eat, I want to eat, but I don't want to absorb calories. That's dumb. Uh, Well, it's. It's even more elemental than that. It's like when you don't want to be hurt, the only emotion that you're sabotaging is joy. Mm -hmm. You're still going to be angry. You're still going to be fearful. Right. You're you're going to be all those things, right? But the only thing that you're cutting out of your life when you're afraid to open your heart is joy, which like, enjoy that folks. Right. Tell me how that's working out for any. Yeah. When I stopped being emotionally unavailable, that, that was, was that, that conscious decision. Um, oh, how many, how many months ago was that? I would say it was probably a good solid. It was over a year ago. Okay. It was over a year ago because I just said, you know what? I am not afraid to go all in mm. because it goes back to, I've gotten my ass kicked by love when I have shown up. And I've got my ass kicked when I haven't shown up. But at this point, I I just don't care. I'll go all in because if I'm going to get hurt either way, I want the joy. You will get hurt. I will. And I know that nobody can ever go into a situation where they're vying for love in which hurt is not an opportunity for an experience. It could be big hurt. It could be small hurt, but we're going to have to deal with it. But. I also don't think that hurt is all bad. Uh, Generally speaking, it's good. I say that. Like, it's wild to say that. Like, I would say if you choose hurt, if you err on the side of like, this might hurt, but I'm going to do it anyway. Yes. It's good. The only hurt that really hurts where you're just like, oh, fuck, is like stuff that happens without your consent, where you're just like, I didn't choose that. 
some things hurt that you don't consent to and that hurts and it's like not constructive. But if you like put your heart and soul into something and it doesn't work out, well, guess what? Like you either learned A, what not to do, which generally speaking, we tend to overcorrect on those things. Sometimes we take, we tend to take meaning out of things that probably there is no meaning to. Mm -hmm. Uh, I've done that. I know plenty of people have done that. And sometimes I've, you know, consulted people where they're just like, oh man, what what do I take away from this? I'm like, nothing. You take nothing away. It's a thing that didn't work. But that's that's again consensual hurt. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. Like it 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 just proves you were not dead. Right. And I think at the end of the day, all we want to feel is like we weren't dead. I also realized that there's hurt that I have felt that has been self-induced. I mean, mm. my leaving my second marriage was hard it, it took me breaking my own heart to mm-hmm. be able to get to the point where I could move on from mm-hmm. that marriage it was in, it was difficult I didn't sure just and just because I was the one that was causing someone else hurt because I know that I mm-hmm. hurt my ex-husband I'm aware of that doesn't mean that I didn't hurt or that I hurt any less it was just yeah. a different hurt because I think that the people that are fearing being hurt don't necessarily consider that the person that is hurting them also hurts. Yeah. Right. Well, and also like, even if you don't want to be hurt, you can still hurt somebody else mm-hmm. by the act of not wanting to be hurt. Trying to shield people from even our emotions. And I think that's what comes into play when a lot of people deny uh-huh. their own emotions because if I don't express my emotions, if I'm not mm-hmm. vulnerable with someone, then what ammunition do they have to use against me? And I think that's a horrible mm-hmm. place for people to be when they're afraid that they're, they'll they're find just, it anyway. Absolutely. But that's twice as hard because mm-hmm. now that person has has worked at it. Oh, man, that feels horrible. It actually hurts Canada. more when they hurt you when you're not trying to be hurt because you're just like, oh, God damn it. Mm-hmm. You're like. I was expecting that. I was I was specifically guarding against this and you fucked me anyway. Booty like it it just it hurts weirdly it hurts more when you open yourself out but it hurts better. Yes. You know. Yes. I agree with that 100%. Mm-hmm. Hurt is a reminder that we're alive. Mm-hmm. Right? When you feel a loss when you feel pain because your relationship ended mm-hmm. that's because you were able to feel joy mm-hmm. right if you don't feel the joy you never feel the hurt because you mm-hmm. can just get up and leave and i think that there's a lot of people who will safeguard themselves by convincing themselves that they are impervious to hurt or they are going to do whatever they can to keep other people at an arm's length. Mm. But even when that comes to the end, they inadvertently have felt some sort of level of joy that they didn't, that didn't register. Well, and think of it this way too. A lot of people who put people at a distance to prevent them from hurting them, they're already hurting anyway. So it's like, cool. So all you've done is, yeah. All you've done is, all you've done now is subsidize hurt. That's what you've done. You've said, all right, well, I'm already hurting. 
I can only handle so much. So you're going to get some of this. Yes. Right. That's, that makes perfect sense. The subsidizing. I love this. It's, I love yeah. this. It's no, it's spot on because yeah. especially people who feel too much hurt and they don't. So there's, there's an opportunity. Like I, I can't, I can't have this. And that's, I think mm -hmm. people will pass their hurt on to other people. They'll put their shit on someone oh, else. Yeah. Like yeah. I can't feel this hurt anymore. I have been sitting with this hurt for so long mm. that I can't bear it anymore. So I don't want to hurt. So I'm going to give this to you so that you mm. can feel it so that I don't have to. Yeah. And then in that way, when we leave, you're going to take my hurt with you. Don't, please do not give that shit back to me. That was my gift yeah. that I gave you. I mean, that's that, that feels horrible. I think that there's, I think there's a lot of takeaways here, but I am very hesitant in this conversation. I mean, uh -huh. we can't sum this up because everything is going to hit somebody else on, on a very different level than right. this conversation has hit me or hit you. Yeah. I mean, my only goal is that somebody heard at least one thing that made them have that aha moment, like me coming out of my chair when you talked about subsidizing hurt. Well, and here's the thing, right? Like I was going to say, as long as they're entertained, but like I, I cracked very few jokes and I probably should have, but every time I go on a podcast, I'm like, oh, I should have something interesting to say. But like, I, I you know, I, look, if you made it this far, I hope you enjoyed yourselves. And if not, I hope you learned something. And if neither of those things, then why are you still listening? That's true. That's true. People that got this far are, have done well on this journey. They're savages. They're masochists and they're excellent. And you are our people. 100%. We love you people. John, yeah. thank you so much for spending the afternoon with me. It's been a pleasure. Always. Absolutely. Thank you so much for joining us today. New episodes launch every Monday, so I hope you'll be back. If you enjoyed this podcast, there's several ways to show your support. First, by rating the podcast and leaving a review, you help others to find great content. Second, if you're looking for further connection, consider becoming a patron of the podcast, where you'll have a fun and interesting way to connect with others and even get more information on perspectives and things you may not have considered. Lastly, please share this podcast with a friend. The number one way that podcasts reach more people is through sharing and word of mouth. I appreciate you and your beautiful open mind. See you soon.